Welcome to episode 270 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here as always, and this week we've got Jim Wilson returning to the podcast. Quite an honor. Uh, Jim Wilson of Mother Superior, Motor Sister, um, and his own stuff. Uh, you know, we love him. We've had him on the show before, and uh, good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, very glad to have him back. We've talked about it for a while, and Motor Sister is working on some getting their second album out, so very glad to be able to talk to him. Definitely. But before we get into all that, let's tell you that we are sponsored, as always, by DEB Concerts, Med Farm, and Sunset Tattoo, Tulsa. Sunset Tattoo is a tattoo shop located right here in Tulsa, 3146 East 15th Street, right there in Midtown Tulsa. Give them a call, send them an email, whatever you need to do to get a hold of them. You can set up in a time to get an appointment to go in there and talk about what you need done. You can check out a ton of photos of their work on their Facebook page. Click the link right here on this post or wherever you're listening to this. You can also find them on Instagram. They've got a ton of great work and it's all there for you to see. They've been doing this for over 25 years. So the experience is definitely there. They're state licensed. They're mother approved. And their tattoos are done good and proper. So give them a call. Get over there. And of course, tell them that Thunder Underground sent you. Also, Med Farm, the dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, right here outside of Tulsa at 24683 East Highway 51. They've got a great selection. Pretty big selection compared to a lot of places. You can see everything at leafly.com. Get on their website, medfarmok.com, or follow them on Instagram at medfarm. Okay, and Facebook is MedFarm. That's P H A R M. If you tell them that Thunder Underground sent you, or you heard about them here, they'll give you ten percent off your first order, which is very cool. They're also also always running other specials. You can you can call in your order, you can text your order, then you can go right through a drive-through and pick it up. You don't even have to get out of your car. It's just like going to Wendy's for their new breakfast, except instead of a breakfast baconator. You're getting a breakfast uh, THC in here. I, I just made some weird shit up. All I know is <laughs> a, a drive-through at a dispensary is way more beneficial than a drive-through at a fast food joint. That's true. I it's know healthier. That, that sounds weird coming from me, but <laughs> fuck it, I'm saying it anyways. It's true. Hey, we're working on being healthier humans. Yes, separately. Here we somewhere. we both are. We just had that discussion. <laughs> yeah. So it's all good, right? But yeah, give MedFarm a call, and most importantly. Their slogan is Cannabis with a Cause because 30% of their proceeds are going to build no-kill animal shelters, which is a huge cause, and we're very happy to be sponsored by these guys because of that. That's amazing. So be on the lookout for that. should be coming here this year and next, and we'll let you know, of course, as soon as it does. And DEB Concerts, a promoter right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, who we love because they've brought in a ton of great stuff to the area like Saxon, Last in Line. Pisto Blanco, Warrant, Buck Cherry, a long-ass list. Their show that was going to happen on July 13th at the BOK Center, Poison, with Sebastian Bach and Tom Kiefer. It's been postponed. They'll, of course, let you know when that's rescheduled. My guess is it'll be 2021 during the rescheduled stadium tour with Poison and Molly Crew and Def Leppard. But in the meantime, we've got August 15th at the Ideal Barn to look forward to. That's Dead Metal Society at the Ideal Barroom with Rocket Science opening up. And then October 
23rd, LA Guns is making their return to the Ideal Barroom. They've been out there a couple times. Both times excellent, and one of those times we had him on the podcast. Phil, I almost said Phil Jones because I'm thinking Jim Wilson here. Right. But that's not right. Phil Lewis and Tracy Guns were both on this podcast, and that was one of those uh, probably top 20 episodes, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Talk about talk about the nicest dudes. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, I, I'm pretty sure we could we could have talked to Tracy Guns like all day long. Yeah. Like about black metal. Right. And I'm not even like a diehard black metal fan. No, it's but just, it could have When you're talking to Tracy Guns about it, it's cool. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. So be on the lookout for both those. You can check them out. Ticket info and all that great stuff at debconcerts.com. Follow them on their Facebook page as well to be up to date on those shows and any new announcements or any rescheduled if the new metal revival thing happens later on. All that great stuff. So follow them. Or, as always, happy to have them on board as well. All right, before we get into some Jim Wilson stuff, we're going to play some music. Right. And I'm excited for this. Yeah, you chuckled because we're we're doing something a little different. Yes. In the past, or the past, the past five years now, we've played music, either mainly new music from artists that we've had on the podcast or that published us, of course, stuff local to us in Tulsa and Oklahoma City. And then just random stuff that gets sent to us from around the world. Right. This is something we've talked about for a while, and we just never did it, okay. which is, why don't we just play something from back in the day right. that a lot of people might not remember? Exactly. And that's what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and today we're playing a band called Slick Lily. The song's called Dirty Water. And we got turned on to this band way back. They opened up for, let me let me see if I get this right. Ted Nugent, Bad Company at Mohawk Park. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and as you could, from that bill, they're very fitting for that bill. Uh, good, you know, late 80s, early 90s, hard rock, almost a southern thing going on. Um, and this song, I mean, just kicked you right in the balls. Yeah. Uh, just good time kind of stuff. And uh, <clears throat> we were we were trying to think of, like, some obscure shit to play. From that era, and you just came right up with it, and bam, there it was. I was just trying to think of something that fit well with Jim Wilson's Definitely, music, you know? yes. So, this is it. This is what we're doing. All right, here's Slick Lily, Dirty Water.
Water from Slick Lily. Like you said, it's got that that 90s kind of southern rock kind of vibe to it. A little hard rock. It's kind of like Black Crows, Brother Kane. Right. That kind of vibe. And God knows, that, I mean, we couldn't find them on Facebook still. Some yeah. bands, some of these bands you still do. Yeah. I don't know where they're from. I don't know what they're doing now, but God damn it, this song ruled. So <laughs> we're playing it. Yeah, I remember, yeah, back, back whatever year that was, I think. Should have like done more research since we're playing this, but I think it was ninety six, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, do you remember that show? Was it ninety six, ninety seven? I think maybe it was ninety five. Seemed, seemed like it was ninety four, ninety five. Oh well, fuck. Who knows, man? But I remember Camo D played the hell out of this song. Yes, I absolutely loved it. I can't. I think I got the CD. I need to look at my stuff. I went through all my CDs just a couple months ago, but I remember digging other stuff, but never really like going back to it like I did this song. Every once in a while on Spotify or YouTube or whatever. Three things about this band I remember. This song ruled. One of the guitar players was blonde and he had a badass white SG. <laughs> and the singer reminded me of Michael Madsen. And we watched <laughs> Thelma and Louise last night. Wow. Because you can never go wrong with a, cla- a viewing of a classic. Yeah. So, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, getting to see him open up for... Ted Nugent and Bad Company, and that was the Brian Howe era of Bad yes, Company. right. Very glad I got to see that. Yep, all as, respect. Yes, most of you should know by now that he passed away this past month. And on a side note to that, I just saw his sister made a post on his Facebook page this past week and said that he had new music that he was working on that was coming out, and they're releasing a single like in the coming week or two. So be on the lookout for that if you're a Bad Company fan. But yeah, Slick Lily, look him up if you're not familiar, and tell us what you think. All right, so Jim Wilson, as Jason stated up front, Mother Superior was where he got his uh, kind of start as far as getting his name out there. And that band was, what's the right word to use here? Unbelievable? Amazing? Incendiary. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, to, to go almost famous. Yes, to, yeah, exactly. How'd you know? <laughs> Incendiary. Yeah. Man, that's we talked about this last time we had him on, but it's been a couple years at least now, so we can talk about it again. We saw him live at South by Southwest yeah. in a club. It was actually called the Filling Station. I think yes, it used to be was. a gas station. They turned it into a bar. Mm-hmm. And it was... Uh, Literally, yeah. It was us and, I mean, Josh Baker, our friend. Of course, your band was there, basically. Mm-hmm. It was Josh and Eric, and at that time, Jared, yeah. the four of you guys, and then me. And we went down there, and besides us five, I think there was probably 10, 15 other people in that yeah. place, maybe. But it's just one of those experiences, you know. We we talk about it still to this day because it's just one of those shows that they put on a show like they were playing to 15,000 people. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was just loud and sweaty, and they put on a show like it was their last fucking show ever. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it was just, it was nuts. And, you know, that just always makes me think about, you know, Jason McEnroth, rest in peace. Uh, you know, he, he has passed. And uh, what a show. And we still talk about it. And, uh, yeah, this just speaks to the whole Mother Superior. Jim Wilson, he went on to be in Rollins Band. And then, you know, now, uh, you know, he's worked with Daniel Lenoir, um, Pearl, and now Motor Sister. Uh, just an honor. Yeah. And... I mean, you mentioned the Rollins Band. I got to see him live with the Rollins yeah. Band as well. And whenever whenever the Rollins Band was playing, whenever they were in the Rollins Band, Mother Superior opened. 
So I saw that oh, at Kane's right. Ballroom and at the other side. Okay. So, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's nuts. I saw the one at the other side, but not at the Kane's Ballroom for some reason. I don't yeah, know no why. one would go with me. I can't uh, imagine but, I had something going on. I don't want to say, no, I don't want to see Mother Superior and Henry Rollins. I mean, all these on. years <laughs> later, though, uh, Melissa was at the show, and I did not know it. At that Kane's Ballroom show? Yeah, the Kane's Ballroom show. And we didn't know each other, and now... Look at that. And we have a poster of it on the wall. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, Motor Motor Sister, for those of you that aren't familiar, which you should be if you're listening to this, but right. if you're not and you're just listening to this, check them out. It is. It was a project that the first album, Ride, was a cover of Mother Superior songs that included Scott Ian on guitar, as well as Joey Vera on bass and John Tempesta on drums. And Pearl A Day is also a part of it. And, of course, Jim Wilson on guitar and vocals. And they put out that album. And they've done, you know, shows here and there. But, of course, with all the stuff going on with Anthrax, the Colt, and Armored Saint, and Pearl's own stuff. You know, they've all got their own stuff going on. So, But they, I know they did a show last year. And, you know, hopefully once this second album's coming out, which is going to be original music, not Mother Superior songs again. Which is going to be great. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how... I'm sure it's going to still sound the same vein, but, you know, it might have a different feel to it since, you know, it's their own stuff, you know. But yeah, so really looking forward to that as well. And Jim Wilson has solo music out as well. He had an album come out two years ago called Now Playing and an album, an EP this past year, called Rocker's Delight. Phil Jones works on him with both those. He played the drums on Tom Petty's Full Moon Fever. So, yeah, this is a lot of great stuff Jim Wilson is part of. Right. Alright, let's just get into it. Here's Jim Wilson. Talk to you again. You too. Happy birthday. Uh, thank you very much. It's been uh, quite an exciting day. My phone's been going crazy, and I'm trying to avoid it all until I can sit down and deal with it all at once, you know what I mean? But uh, it's exciting. Definitely. And I got my stimulus check today, which was like, happy birthday. <laughs> right on. I wonder if that was if they, yeah. the government planned that for you personally? or if that... <laughs> no, They were waiting, yeah. Maybe yeah. we'll wait a couple more days, you know, it's his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I still haven't got mine, and my birthday's May 29th, so maybe I'll get it then. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> fingers crossed. Yeah. How's it going for you guys? Everything? Uh, I know it's crazy for everybody, so it's, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's been... Just a wild scene. Yeah, just kind of like everywhere. I mean, both of us yeah. have been kind of working less, furloughed, and then. but I know Jason's going back next week, so things might be getting back a little bit normal. Yeah, I mean, it, it's... Yeah. Uh, wh- whether it's really time to or not, kind of can't wait i'm just now getting to the point where i'm about to go crazy <laughs> so yeah I'm, yep, yep. I'm okay with it <laughs> same here i mean yeah it's you know i unfortunately i've gotten to know my uh record collection a lot better that's for sure and uh and i have a, a vinyl radio show internet show that uh it's been keeping me busy uh you know i really like doing it too but it takes time and uh 
I went back into it. I did it a few years ago and then I, a news station asked me to do it. So I went back into it and uh, I thought, if I get too busy, I'll just have to drop it again. And then this happened. And it's like, well, might as well do some radio shows. <laughs> well, that was kind of one of the things we had on our list to talk about. So I mean, just kind of going into that, is that how, I mean, how yeah. important was it for you to play actual vinyl, even though it's a digital show? Uh, yeah, that's true. But uh, I think it all started with, uh, yeah, well, I've always collected weird records and I have a, uh, a CD recorder that I used to record things on for my own personal thing. So I didn't have to like play some old radio show a million times. I can just kind of file it away and have a digital file. So uh, it started like that. My I was uh, offered a thing and I saw how my friend did his radio show, which was, you know, just sitting in front of his laptop and choosing songs as he went along, which is cool too. But I just, uh, I just wanted to play stuff that you definitely wouldn't hear anywhere else. I mean, I play some hits and stuff too, but there's always uh, a super rarity every week of some weird single that I've found or something. And lots of old radio shows from the 60s, 70s and 80s with like original commercials that have lots of cool interviews with, you know, I just did one with uh, Spaces and Places, Women in Rock with Pat Benatar, Hart, and Grace Slick. You know, just with um, all kinds of the way it used to sound to me when I was uh, growing up. Basically, with Philadelphia Radio in Delaware, we there were, all of our stations were from Pennsylvania. So uh, it just reminds me of getting up early on the weekends and turning the radio on and hearing all these weird uh, pre-recorded shows and. And plus, I just get to uh, show off my record collection a little bit. I have time. I mean, I'm a digital guy, too, all the way. But uh, it's funny because even if I play like a Beatles 45 or something, and it's kind of scratchy. And, and when I'm make, putting the show together, I think, maybe, is that too scratchy? But then when I hear it as part of the show, it kind of adds to the charm of just playing records. And if it skips, I just let it skip. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how much time, how long does it take you to put together a show? Well, I've got a lot of the music recorded already. So I kind of just, sometimes we'll listen back to these old discs that I had and try to make some sense of what I was trying to put together in a compilation then. And then um, I just have to do the talking bits, you know, and I write those out. The show's pre-recorded, which I like doing. I could do it live, but I like I like the editing process of making it into a semi-funny and uh, lots of music, and there's not really time for fooling around, you know. So um, I do, when I do the talking bits, I'll do, you know, maybe four shows at a time. So then I just edit them together. So it takes, I'm sure all in all, it probably takes, you know, obviously the show's two hours. So even when I listen back, there's, two hours of work right there, you know, So when I probably already put in a, another couple. So one of these days I'll get to a serious XM, but you know, <laughs> I've always loved that. Before I realized when I was a kid and I love music, I love records. And I thought that uh, a DJ was the best job that you could have because I didn't even think about being able to play music. You know what I mean? It was, uh, and they got free records and on top of the scene. And there were lots of, uh, influential DJs from Philadelphia, Jerry Blavitt and all the guys that were on WMMR, which was early uh, Howard Stern there too. Uh, You know, so it just kind of takes me to a place. I don't try to sound like a 
any current thing. And I, and like I said, I'll play weird. If Todd Rundgren produced a Sean Cassidy record, I'll play it, you know, and, <laughs> and people, people trip out on it. And the cool thing is, uh, is it's work, but when it's on the air and I'm, you know, listening with people on Facebook and things and people are into it, that's when it's like, cool. You know, it actually uh, was worth the time I put into it. I mean, again, like I play, uh, the other week I played a Charles Mingus thing that I love. It's a tribute to Duke Ellington and it's like 10 minutes long and I was letting it roll and I'm listening to it and going, man, this is probably like everybody's turning the station. And of course that's the one that got the most response, you know, <laughs> that night everybody's like, what was that Mingus song? You know? So it's fun. And I got little, uh, themes and little, you know, bits that I do every week. So the little intros are already kind of recorded and, you know, the, Vintage radio broadcast, radio rewind. I call that one. And so it's coming together. It's got a format now. Look yeah. out. Well, what's your? I'll send you guys uh, some MP3s because they're like I said, they're pre-recorded. So I could send you a couple of my favorite shows. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be awesome. Cool. Was is vinyl something you've like consistently been into your whole life, or did you get out of it for a bit and come yeah. back to it in recent years? No, I've always, uh, you know, like I said, I love CDs too, but no, I've, I've always kept my core collection of my favorite bands and, you know, it gets hard for me because I like so much stuff and it's exciting for me to have, you know, Marty Robbins albums and different things that I love, but then all of a sudden I'm just like packed with records, you know, especially when I go on tour, anytime, any trip I've ever been on, I come home with at least. 30 LPs. I mean, at least, you know, cause I'm always hitting every, every town and going into the record shop. So I've kept it up, but you know, I'm also, uh, I let things go. And, um, and I was, I'm a back 10 years ago when everybody kind of were finished with records, they were all over the thrift stores. So, you know, especially around here, if you got the right day, you could walk out of there with a, you know, your arms full of records. And for a dollar, I would buy stuff that I, wouldn't buy for ten dollars you know so and then one day you're looking through and then you go like man i have every lionel richie album do i really need every Lionel Richie album? <laughs> <laughs> so you know <laughs> and then the, my favorite part of record collecting is you know you're at some weird record store and you find like some beatles record that's in the plastic still and it's got the sticker on the front it's like oh my god i gotta have this and you go and you have one like exactly the same you know <laughs> so but the, again they're uh they're you could still, to this day, resell something for whatever you paid for it. So that's good, you know. There's not a lot of things you can do that with. And people would make fun of me on the, the tours and stuff because I would come home carrying these, you know, huge LPs and lugging them around. And But, you know, some guys go to the bar and spend their per diem money there. And, you know, for me, it's nice to bring something home. And I look through my records sometimes and go, Oh yeah, I got that one in, in Canada or, or whatever, you know. Yeah, I've always yeah. been a record geek. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of, <laughs> mine's getting big enough now that I've had that kind of issue where I bought something I already had and didn't realize it and I need to get everything logged go, in yeah. so I can, before I purchase, you know. <laughs> you know, I have a huge list of what I have. There's no way for me to carry it with me because the list is so huge that even if I email it to myself, I found, I'll go to a record store and to just have to like scroll through it to find what I'm looking for just takes more time than me just going, ah, I'll just buy it and find out later. <laughs> but I do have like a little want list. <laughs> I have a little want list of 
important things that, you know, just to make sure that I'm not rebuying. I mean, Beatles, Stones, I got, you know, a few bands that I actually collect. I love, you know, Kiss, and I have a Kiss collection, but I don't go on eBay and buy Kiss records because I wish I could, but that'd be another life, you know, and I, I collect so many other bands that uh, there's lots of, you know, I'd rather get, you know, multiple copies of some cheap trick records or something, I, you know, and I'm not using Kiss as a, that was a bad example because I love Kiss. I'm just saying, you know, some bands I collect more hardcore than others. Yeah. I will tell you, if you get the Discogs app, you okay. can... It's an easier way to you can just search in your list and see if you've got something. That's true. If you add your collection to Discogs, you mean? Yeah. Because I look at Discogs every day, you know. Yeah. Constantly. <laughs> That's great. It's it's one of the, my favorite things, you know, because uh, not only can I use it when I do my radio show too, because it's just an easy, quick look up for a date and an original label or something like that. Uh, so it's just one of the best record collecting tools ever and they they have a marketplace so you could, in the old days you'd have to buy a gold mine you, you guys remember gold mine magazine yeah yeah record collecting magazine? yeah yeah and they would have price guides you know but those are so outdated and and uh discogs is is live you know i think yeah. it's really great and i've bought a few things from guys there too and and wasn't sure what i was going to get and it's pretty good I've been trying not to get, spend money on records today because it, it would be easy on my birthday. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, there's an of, excuse. So. Yeah. <laughs> I've already had a couple beers, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, shifting a little to but, uh, Motor Sister, you mentioned that sure. you guys had all the music done and you just need to put down yeah. vocals. Like, is that kind of frustrating, like, for you as a musician was, to be sitting the there right now and not being able to do that? Thing ever. I'll admit to you right now that they've sent me a, a rough mix of every song instrumentally, Jay Rustin, and I haven't listened to them all because I listened to it, the first couple. And we already, we recorded them and we listened to them, you know, after we did it and at the end of the session. And we would all go to like, I know it's kick ass, but yes, it's so frustrating. We're all frustrated uh, and waiting, but it was amazing. I'm so glad that we got, that it got finished. We actually had four days uh, we did 12 new songs and we had four days in Dave Grohl's studio, 606. And that was like, what? Cause Scott uh, did the Mr. Mr. Bungle record there and had the connection. We were about to go record and uh, you know, they only let people that they kind of know use the studio. They're not like a, a public studio or whatever, but we had access to all the Foo Fighters stuff, whatever we wanted to use too, which is amazing. I, I don't even know if I should say this, but I will. Uh, I only used my Gibson Les Paul on the first track. And after that, I got sucked into Dave's guitars. He was never there or anything, but all the guys <laughs> that worked in the studio were uh, the quote unquote curator of the guitars was there. And he was like, here, try this one. This is Dave's favorite. And so I was just like, a, you know, the next morning I came in, I'm like, can I use that Les Paul again? Because that was amazing. And I, you know, there was a Telecaster and an acoustic on some stuff. And, we were all excited about the material. We had been working on nine solid songs and uh, we were also going to do one old Mother Superior song, Rolling Boy Blues. Nobody even knows this yet. And um, so that was 10. And then right before we were about to record, I went to go to Scott's 
house to go over guitar riffs and uh i brought two songs two brand new songs and said i got some new things here check these out and they both made the album too and those are really exciting for us because uh it's kind of like those uh maybe there's a bit of uh i knew at that point what the album had and maybe there was a bit of like what does it need and he's a big kick-ass you know rocker and uh well, I mean, they're all kick-ass rockers. That was the fun part about this thing. It's like super high energy. Even the, there's one song that you might call like, you know, maybe not, you know, a rocker rocker, but it rocks and it's heavy as fuck. So uh, I can't wait for everybody to hear this stuff. And I sang everything, you know, as we played it. And, mm-hmm. uh, but, but they were just rough, rough yeah. vocals. And and, and I would say, like, here comes another verse or stuff like that. And Jay didn't put those on the rough mixes. Maybe that's good, too, because I wasn't really trying to sing. So that might even be harder to play for somebody than an instrumental. But it's coming. We've already talked. Um, everybody's anxious. And uh, Scott said, let's think about June 1st to finish vocals and make sure the guitar stuff's good. Uh, John Tempest is done. He's just killed it. I mean, and Joey Vera, too. I mean, the bass and drums were the most important part, but we had enough time to, to get the guitars together too. And I did a bunch of solos. I'm pretty sure that all the solos are done. And then, uh, we did three days and we were supposed to come back on Friday and all this happened. Yeah. And we said, well, we could take a break and, you know, we can come back another day. We got 12 songs done. And then, you know, here we are, whatever, 37 days later, still waiting. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, the first album was the band giving a new spin on, you know, your music, the Mother Superior stuff. How's it been yeah. doing originals with all these guys now? We didn't know, you know, and I think for me, uh, having the outlet of getting to work with Phil Jones, too, and getting to do other kind of, you know, it doesn't have to be heavy rock all the time. So I get that out of me. So I was kind of storing all these guitar riffs and things up for a, a while ever since probably ever since the first record came out because there would be something oh that'd be good for murder sister and you know everybody gets busy of course everybody got so busy after that record came out um and finally when the time came up we were all available again and i had been handing scott i probably gave him 25 or 30 songs over the past couple of years and these are the ones that stuck out for him and for me that was great because there might be some other good ones that that got lost but that's cool let's concentrate on the ones that make everybody excited and uh it's you know what a great thing for somebody to pick out 12 songs and say yeah those are the ones and scott said too we were rehearsing and he said i've been thinking of this what if this was a new Mother Superior album. Would I be into it? He's like, hell yeah. This would be a kick-ass Mother Superior album. So so that, uh, we're still thinking of it in that way of keeping the spirit of that alive. Because, like I said, it's such a perfect thing for me because I can get out anything. Uh, if I was just doing solo stuff and I, I'd probably just have a couple really heavy songs on my record and then, you know, some other stuff. So, And I love heavy rock, but other stuff just comes out of me and I don't know, different people like different stuff. And I play with so many different people. I get part of the Lanois world too. And Daniel Lanois thing. And, you know, so that's the way my record collection is too, I guess. 
I just like any kind of uh, good music. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was lucky, and I didn't know if uh, how it was going to work, like if Scott was going to tear the songs apart and say we're going to rewrite this. But it, you know, basically turned out uh, out of the last two songs that I put together, I suggested that Pearl sing one of them because she didn't have a lead on the record, and she's always like, no, 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 you you should sing lead on everything. And, 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 but Mother Superior wasn't like that either. You know, the other guys sang a song once in a while too. So uh, I had a big, uh, it's called Coming For You, and it's just a big rock and roll song, and I told her to write the lyrics, so that comes from her, and and she kept the chorus the same, Coming For You, and uh, everything else is pretty much, you know, my right, so it, it's super exciting to, to be able to uh, achieve that, you know, without having to take any cheap way out, or without having to call Diane Warren or whatever, you know? <laughs> But we got some <laughs> we got some really cool stuff, and uh, it's all you know, really heavy and kind of punky. And again, with me and Scott doing guitars, but it it was incredible to hear back in the studio what each other were doing. And uh, I'll tell you some titles right there, just like it, <clears throat> right there, just like that is a big like funky jam. And uh, Let's see, uh, Excuse Me, Your Life is Exposed. That's like a big uh, punk rocker. And there's a, a song called Sooner or Later that we did. Uh, at, we did a show in December, and we played Sooner or Later live for that show for the first time. And and at the end of the show, everybody was like, Sooner or Later, Sooner or Later. And it was like, that's cool, you know. So it, and that one's kind of like a, it's heavy, and it's, a you know, a little bit on the, uh, maybe like a, a nice King's X song or something, you know, it, it's not like a super fast punk rocker, but a lot of the other ones are. Um, you'll hear them soon. It's all coming. There's a good one called Pain, which is uh, probably the heaviest one on the record. Uh, it's I I don't know this, but I would think that it should live at the end of the record because it's one of those, you know, end songs. You can't really put anything after it. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so we've been working and everybody's been really excited about it and taking it really seriously. I spent, I went to Jonathan Pesta's house a few times and just me and him played in his drum room and got that part of it together. And, you know, it, it feels, I mean, obviously we, we've known each other now a lot longer, but it really feels like a band record. And we did it all again, all the music live together so that was uh, that's the feel really because that's the way we play and we didn't use uh any click tracks maybe one maybe sooner or later we we, we did it just because that felt like the single <laughs> or whatever but uh no it was i can't wait i can't wait for you to hear it and we don't have that much work to, i mean the first album too when we did the vocals we me and pearl kicked those out in one or two days you know if i'm if if I'm in voice, it's like I can sing the whole record. You know what I mean? But uh, hopefully that happens soon. And they were talking; they're talking uh, January for the release, and hopefully that stays on track as well. Okay. Well, you kind of—I mm -hmm. mean, you talked about the writing process, but like, how much of it? Like when you you said you'd give a songs the songs to Scott, does he put any input in on? Yeah. On changing anything, or is um, it all kind of like you said, just your vision? Just little, little things. Um, there's one song that uh, he changed one chord because he said it was uglier and it made it more like a Sabbath thing. But you know, 
just little things like that. Everybody's been just like, wow, these demos, you know? No, I, I, it feels really good to, to just kind of say I did the words and music and they, uh, went with me, you know what I mean? Uh, and I wrote, uh, lots of melodic things. So I always had Pearl in mind, another voice, you know, a harmony voice too. So there's a lot of, uh, harmony singing. Uh, some songs we basically sing together the whole time. I wish I could play for you. I wish there's something. I mean, I have like rehearsal ones too, which are fine, but they're kind of like, you know, iPhone quality. Yeah. Sometimes it gets so heavy, it, it like, you know, super compresses or whatever. <laughs> but uh, as soon as I get something that, uh, and again, I mean, I would, if you guys, I, would, I wouldn't hesitate to send you some of the instrumental things, but, it, you know, you just don't get to hear the melodies. <laughs> All your guys' other projects Soon, take up a ton of time, but has there ever been any talk about getting out and doing shows outside of California when the time's right? Yes. Uh, for Motor Sister, yes. yes. We, uh, we also just uh, um, hooked up with Anthrax's manager, so we're going to be booked uh, by the same company, which is, I thought was a great idea because obviously they know what Scott's up to and you know when he's busy and when he's not. And um, so that's coming. And again, we were talking how January would be the perfect time to release the record because not only for the label, they didn't, they don't like to do late in the year stuff. They'd rather start fresh at the beginning of the year and everybody's still open at that time. So we were thinking like, you know, February, March, but these songs have to be, have to be played live as many. I mean, we got to play as many shows as we can. And it, it just feels like, you know, last time we didn't even know, uh, each other that much or like what everybody's going to do. And, and this time it just felt more like this is our music this time, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, you know, and like you said, it's great that, that you guys are with Anthrax's manager. It's just, uh, sounds like it'll be so much easier yeah. to set some stuff up. It, exactly. Exactly. It will. Yeah. Uh, can't get high enough. That's another, uh, huge rocker that we sing together, me and Pearl, uh, Damn, it's like I almost feel like I should play an instrumental track and just sing it, but uh, maybe something like that. <laughs> and you know, I also <laughs> I have a little setup here at home too. I have Pro Tools and I have a nice mic and everything. But uh, Jay Rustin's a producer and he's so great, and I love having. I mean, I could probably sing the songs here and you know email them to Jay and he could put it together. But I like being produced. I like having somebody say, "Try it again." You know what I mean? Well, Jay was great in the studio because, like, we—that's what I mean. You need that trust. We're all playing together. We're all trying to play as well as we can. And you finish a song, and and Jay goes, "That was fucking great," or whatever. And you go, "Okay, we got it," you know. So uh, it's coming. And then uh, at the same time, I've been doing a, another Phil Jones record, and and same thing. We've been talking about. We could put it out before Motor Sister, but we might as well wait until after, because then, you know, at least we can ride on that a little bit after that, too. So everybody's just trying to be patient right now. I mean, speaking of Phil Jones, um, talk about how that came together in the first place when you guys started working together. Oh, yeah. he. Um, I was a fan of his because I used to go see Phil play with Waddy Wachtel's band in that 
uh, at the joint in the mint, they would do a weekly thing. You know, Keith Richards showed up and different people. I went one week and Fred Durst showed up, so it wasn't as, as great. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. It's a true story, but, you know, uh, I used to go I used to, and just that's who I pay attention to. I would always say, man, that drummer guy is really great. And I knew that he played on with Tom Petty and he, you know, he plays percussion on all the heartbreakers records. And then he did, of course, full moon fever, Tom Petty solo album. He asked him to play drums. So of course I knew all about that. And, uh, he plays on Roy Orbison. You got it. You know, so I knew his name and we met, uh, we all played a, he was playing with Neil, uh, Neil Young's wife. Peggy Young that passed away recently. He was playing with her in, in Toronto and I was playing with Daniel Lamois and we talked then. And then he came to see Emmylou Harris when I was playing with her. And then he just called me out of the blue. We were Facebook friends. And he said, uh, you got any songs? I got a studio, bring them over. And I said, okay, cool. Uh, what should I help? What should I bring? He said, I'll bring a couple, you bring a couple. And I brought four songs and then uh, he liked all four. So we recorded those that first day. And then he said, we'll just do your songs. So that was cool too. And then we we record fast. We just, we're on the same page and he, uh, we have the same, he loves all the old kind of 50s and 60s rock and roll that I do. So he, you know, I, I can bring something in and his wheels are turning as soon as I start playing the song. He'll be getting the studio kind of set up and rolling and I, he'll say, send me the song and I'll just sit down and play my guitar and sing it for him. I swear, like by three takes, he's got it, you know, done. Mm. Um, so it's a really cool, fun way to work. And, and Phil has been playing with so many people for so many years that he, uh, he asks all his friends to come and, and play with him. And I met, you know, Mark Ford and different people through Phil, Mike Campbell from the Heartbreakers played on now playing and same thing. Uh, I got invited to Mike Campbell's house to play on his demos. I played bass on his demos because of that too. So it's been a trip and uh, Phil's getting so good with sounds. I usually do a guitar, a bass. Sometimes I play a little keyboards, uh, whatever it needs, but sometimes we have keyboard friends come over because some guys are just, you know, so great that, uh, it's nice to have it on your track. And that's another thing about working with Phil. I, I let him take over on purpose because uh, I get to do the big rock thing. You know, I get to do that. So I, I would like to hear what happens if something gets produced a little bit. You know, And I have the trust in Phil as a somebody that I know has good taste. So I know he's not going to do something, you know, he's not going to put bagpipes and strings on it or whatever you know it'll be something cool or classy like a stones kind of thing or something like that or a motown horns or something so it, it's so much fun for me to record those and we did the first record and we had some leftover songs and then we i had a couple new songs and then that turned into that the rockers delight ep that came out thank you guys for digging that so much too and then uh this one uh, same thing. I've just been getting lucky, and I, I feel like I've just been tuned into some writing things where I can just be coming up with some good stuff. And I'm a good, uh, I'm a better judge of my own ideas. Like I, I go, ah, you know, I really have to feel it, and I'm always uh, leaving my head open to 
for something for a, a musical idea or something to come in. And uh, it's just cool to have a little way to go put songs in piles and say, like, that would be good with Phil. Maybe I'll send this one to Scott. And then sometimes I'll do, I'll do it opposite. I'll have a really heavy song. And, uh, I, you know, I'm sure Scott would like it too or choose it maybe, but I might take this one to Phil's that we just, you know, just whatever seems fresh and whatever seems right. And, uh, and also I'm open to uh, maybe in the future if there's any – they can be interchangeable as well. Like, you know, say if there was a heavy song like uh, I Know from Rocker's Delight, if Mother's, uh, Motor Sister wanted to record it, they could too. They can make a record and it's just a song, you know what I mean? Yeah. More the merrier. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, these songs these songs you sent us, uh, you know, I'm really digging them. Uh, and I think you'd mentioned earlier kind of, you know, the, the diversity within them. I think that's really important. Uh, you're there's no rules and and i think that's yeah. kind of the you, yeah. you know the first thing that a lot of us should go off of you know yeah and it doesn't happen that often anymore you know and it yeah. probably puts me in a worse position uh commercially maybe just because it's so weird and different or whatever but that's okay too i know that people really dug the other stuff that i've done with phil and that that means a lot you know uh was doing a show with Terry Reed with Bill and one of our friends, Robert was playing songs from the record, you know, just like hanging out. And he's like, man, this is such a great record. And then, you know, it's kind of, can you turn that off? You know, for me, <laughs> it's hard to listen to your own stuff, especially if like you're partying or something, you know, and it's just, you know, your own voice. But I did have a great experience. Um, Scott and the Anthrax guys have a good friend in Japan and he makes, a lot of clothes for them and stuff. And I've become friends with him, Kenichi. And uh, he came to the Terry Reed shows when I was in Japan. And then he invited me to come to his shop, his clothing shop. And Terry and his wife came along. And Kenichi's so cool. He put on my first solo album as I walked into the store. So it's playing in the background, you know. And I was kind of like, oh, no, thanks, you know. And Terry Reed was walking around and he doesn't know that album or anything. And it was just playing. And he looked at me and he goes, who is this bad company? And it's like, no, it's me, but thanks. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it would have, it would have sucked if he said, you know, who is this? The Bruce Willis or something bad? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bruce. Yeah. Remember that Bruce Willis? He actually did have like a blues album and played harmonica. He was like, what do you call himself? Bruno or something. Bruno, right, 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 yep, the return of Bruno. You need to pull that out on the, the vinyl shelf. Oh, there you go, there you go. I actually don't have a copy of it. I Maybe I should go look for it. Right. It was on Motown. It was on Motown Records. How weird is that? That is crazy. Well, yeah. like, these, these new songs you sent us, are they, like, how would you describe to someone what this stuff coming out would be compared to now playing a Rocker's Delight? Huh. I think uh, it keeps getting more, I think, a little more soulful and a little more funky. I think because me and Phil both really get into Marvin Gaye a lot. And I remember there was, um, you know, I would bring over my little kind of beatle songs. There's some beatle stuff, too. Just some. Yeah. And when I say Beatles, I mean, it doesn't sound like the Beatles, but it, I tried to write some good chords and, you know, Beatles inspired, of course. Uh 
so I think uh, at one point he said, you know, bring some more stuff like this one, or, you know. So that just sometimes gets me thinking. I think it makes me want to impress still, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, he's always in tune with anything that I bring over. And we've probably done, we've done more than an album right now. So we have more songs than we need, uh, which is good. But um, he just said, you know, last time he's like, let's do a couple more because you've been bringing over some, they've been getting better and better. So let's just try a couple more. And we got the time. Uh, we can't wait to get it out. And we'll do some live shows too. And we got Mark Ford on our, on our side too. And he really got into the songs that he played on this time. And he did acoustic rhythm guitar overdubs and then the solos, of course. And one night, uh, looking for something, that song, I sat down and and sang <clears throat> the song for Phil and Mark Ford and the background singers. And, you know, I'm sitting on a little stool with an acoustic guitar saying, here's how it goes. And I sang it real soft, you know, and just kind of trying to get into it. And then uh, we recorded it and then it came time for me to do the vocal and I was like, you know, singing it out. And Mark Ford was like, man, it sounded so nice when you were singing real soft when you were sitting down. Like, try it like that again or whatever. And, and then, you know, I tried, and then my voice was kind of given out, and Mark Ford left, and Phil was like, man, he was producing you. I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, make it. He's like, he's like, I don't want it to sound like a bar band. Make it believable. You know, he's getting all <laughs> Phil Spector on me. <laughs> <laughs> but he's great. I mean, I, can't, I still, I know he played on some uh, Now Playing stuff, but I still when I hear his solos, to me, it, it's amazing to me that it's that guy, you know, that I, it sounds just like that guy that I used to love. And I still love, but you know what I mean? Right. I used to, it was just a big inspiration on those first few Black Crows records. Yeah. That was my shit then, you know I mean? That was, uh, and, and I, you know, I didn't mind Nirvana and all that kind of stuff, but to me, those records were keeping rock and roll alive. Yeah, absolutely. And and then he'll do a little lick here and there, you know, and it'll be like, that's so Mark Ford. I love it. It's on my record. And then uh, also uh, through Pearl, um, Pearl's drummer knew Mark Hart, who plays with Supertramp, and he was in Crowded House, and uh, he's done a ton of stuff in the years. Amazing, amazing keyboard player. And Pearl said, we're, we're getting a new keyboard player. His name's Mark Hart. And I was like, Mark Hart? I love Mark Hart. And we've become good friends, and I asked him to play on, on the record, and he came down and put on some cool stuff. Again, like, you know, I can plonk my way through some piano tracks, but this guy is just like, you know, magic, and his fingers just fly, and he's real musical, and uh, went to his house, too, and we hung out and sang Beatles songs all night. So, you know, it's really fun getting to be around these people. I used to love a... I'm older than you guys, so you probably don't remember the Hudson Brothers. They had a TV show. Uh -uh. In the early 70s? <laughs> no. No, yeah. They were short-lived, but they were three brothers that played music, and they had like a, they would sing a song, and then, not like the Monkees, though, they were on a stage, more like Sonny and Cher or something, you know, they, they had a stage and they just had skits and stuff. But anyway, they made great records, and Elton John signed them to his label at one point, and uh, Mark Hart played on one of their albums from 1980. So, you know, I gave Mark Hart a digital transfer of that album because he hadn't heard it in so long and I was like oh I love that record he's like 
<laughs> told me some things about it or whatever. And then when I sent it to him, he's emailing me. He's like, this stuff's really good. I said, yeah, I told you. <laughs> you know, because it's such people's past, they just kind of leave things behind. It was probably just a gig for him at that time. You know? yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's, you know, he's a great, great. And then when he was in Crowded House, I knew all about him. So same thing. It's, it's so exciting for me to have these people playing on the record. And uh, Gia, who sang on Now Playing, she's back. And there's a girl named Lisa Frazier, who I, I didn't know. She's friends with Phil. And she's really great. And they sing on a couple of songs together, too. But uh, a lot of the stuff, I have to say, you know, a lot of the stuff me and Phil just finished together this time around. And that's a good thing, because it, it didn't feel like they needed as much embellishment, you know what I mean? And Phil just gets so into it. And he's itching for more material now. It's, and that's, so am I, you know? Because we just can't get together. <laughs> but uh, soon, soon. And we'll have that finished too. So that'll be nice to, uh, that's, you know, between the two records, it'll be 25 new songs. And then uh, starting, uh, me and Pearl have been starting doing a few new things for her next record too. Slowly, but, you know, a couple things have already popped their heads up. And I've sent her a few more songs recently and uh, haven't heard from, I mean, I heard from her when she got them, but, you know, she's got to sit with them for a little bit and see if anything hits them. So that's going to start, too, another record like that. And then uh, I've been, for the past almost a year, I've been doing a record with Daniel Lanois as part of his new band, too, called Heavy Sun, which is more of like a vocal-driven thing. Um, it's kind of like gospel music produced by Daniel Lanois, and uh, we got a... Um, a guy named Johnny Shepard, who's from a Baptist church in Shreveport, Louisiana. He plays organ and sings, and he just, he's the lead singer. He's such an incredible, soulful singer. And then we've been doing four-part harmonies. It's Rocco Zaruka, Daniel, me, and, and Johnny. So we got a, a deal for that record, too. It's called Heavy Sun. It'll be out at the beginning of next year on E1 Records. Uh, all the songs are... I might have a few little things, but, you know, Daniel's the main guy, so it's mainly his main ideas, and we kind of help shape them together. But uh, we have been doing some shows in L.A. We were playing, like, once a week just to get our vocal thing together. And it's a pretty uh, crazy special thing. Like, it's a, if you walk in the room and hear us singing, uh, you know, people get really moved by it. It's almost like churchy gospel music, but... We don't sing about Jesus. You know what I mean? That's the one <laughs> difference. And Johnny is the and Johnny is the real deal. So, you know, all we have to do is support him and he, he plays organ and it's just like so funky and good. I could send you guys a couple of little clips of some things we recorded too of that if you want to check it out. Yeah. That's coming up as well. So definitely. There's been so much music for me. I have like, you know, three notebooks for different things and you know, just trying to keep everything together and uh, it's fun. I mean, it's, uh, and the, again, with Heavy Sun, that band, it's nice for me not to have to worry about writing. You know, I'm always invited to come up with some words or some changes, and I play bass on everything. Daniel Lemois is such a cool guitar player. I, when I started playing with him, I played guitar, and then eventually we got it down to a trio, and he said, Do you want to just play bass? And then we'll be like Hendrix. And it's like, Well, yeah. <laughs> so it's been cool for me, too, because, uh, I just did uh, an interview with Bass Musician Magazine, you know, talking about playing bass. And, you know, that, that's a trip, too. I'm glad that people are 
getting me into that. I mean, I've always paid attention to bass, and I I love great bass players, but I uh, I was always a guitar player, so I never got about it, you know. So all kinds of stuff going on, and same thing. I was supposed to be leaving in two days for a heavy sun tour of America, and that of course is canceled or postponed. And then uh, starting in July, we were going to Canada, and I was going to finish out the year, like up until Thanksgiving, doing some touring with Daniel, which would have led straight into Motor Sister. But we'll see what happens. You know, right. I went to the post office today because I had to mail some stuff, and the, the lady at the post office said, "I heard that this is all going to be over by the middle of May." So <laughs> I'm going by. That sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's roll with that. <laughs> first time I heard that one, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, man, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, and I'm really looking forward to 2021 because it sounds like that's going to be the year of Jim Wilson. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Exactly. I'm trying to be patient, too, and uh, we'll get some more work done on this stuff and, and get it all together. And, I, and, you know, again, as soon as I get uh, some vocals down, I'll send you guys some rough mixes, hot off the press, as long as uh, keep them to yourself for a little bit, you know. Oh, definitely, but I definitely. appreciate the support. It means a lot to me. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. There you go, Jim Wilson of Motor Sister. A huge thank you to him for taking the time out to talk to us again. Very cool to have him back on. Loved it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you'll be hearing him on here a third time someday. Like we mentioned, he was on here before. Check out episode 179. What's that? 80, 91 episodes ago. So Right. Jump back in there, check that out. We talked about that show that we talked about in Austin before and with him on that episode. And he remembered that as well. So, Andy wore our shirt on the YouTube oh. video. Holy fuck. Yeah, I forgot to even mention that. Yeah, Motor Sister put out a a video of them doing Little Motor Sister. In these quarantine times. Yeah, it was like one of those Zoom videos and Jim was wearing the Thunder Underground shirt. So, huge thank you to him for that. Yes. If you want one, get on our website, thethunderunderground.com, or send us an email, thethunderunderground at gmail.com. We've also got shot glasses, koozies, magnets, stickers. Melon ballers. Yeah, it's all it's all there. An entire line of stoneware for your kitchen. It's all coming. <laughs> but anyway, dig back through all these previous episodes. You can listen on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Music, and most places podcasts are heard. We've had episodes with guys from, hell, we recently had on Ron Keel from Keel. We had on Patrick Muzingo from Junkyard. We've had on James Lomenzo, who, who's with John Fogarty now, who was in Black Label Society, White Lion, Pride and Glory. We've had on Gene Simmons of Kiss, Bruce Kulik, Dizzy Reed of Guns N' Roses, guys from Seven Dust, Battlecross, Shooter Jennings. A long-ass list that kind of spans the gamut of rock and roll. Right. So look it all up, beatthunderunderground.com. You can see reviews. You can listen to the podcast there. You can find all our socials. So follow us, like us, share us. All that great stuff helps out as well. All right, coming up, we've got an episode with Healing the Fray, Mike Ariza and Jeff Sandoval. And then we've got an episode with Joel Grind of Toxic Holocaust. Fuck yeah. Which is very cool. And then we've got an episode with V from the new band Violent Idols coming soon. And then we'll have one with Brandon Cook of the Loyal Order, and Black and Blue. All this coming here in the next two or three weeks, so be on the lookout. All right, once again, thank you to Jim Wilson, Med Farm, DEB Concerts, and Sunset Tattoo, and until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all. Thunder Underground.